On this episode of Sion 180, I'll be chatting with Ian Bertram, an inspirational, influential voice that has gone the distance in regional air travel and tourism. Be bold. Take risks. Lead by example. Believe in your power. Say what you feel, mean what you say. Hi, I'm Leslie Ann Sion, host of the new podcast series, Sion 180. Join me at Sion 180 on this journey of discovery and advancement. Searching for that ideal house or rental property with a picture-perfect view of the ocean or lush green hills and breeze that gently caresses your face. Century 21 Grenada helps our clients to go beyond the search to living. At Century 21, our agents understand that a home isn't just walls and a roof, but a sacred, inspiring place where you learn, laugh, play, and create. Contact us today at c21grenada.com or give us a call at 473-440-5227. Go beyond with Century 21. Hello and welcome to Sion 180. I am your host, Leslie Ann Sion. On our podcast series, we feature Caribbean voices from around the world who are making real differences in their areas of influence. I invite you to check out my website at seon180.com or visit your favorite podcast streaming site for current episodes as well as past shows. You can also visit my Facebook and Instagram page for weekly updates, tidbit, advice, and interactions with me, your host and fellow listeners. We are now in the fourth season of Sion 180, and we have brought you voices of trauma and triumph, discussing a diverse range of topics, mental and physical health care, managing finances, the economy, leadership, and motivational. Our guest today is Ian Bertrand, one of the earliest practitioners of operations research in the Caribbean. And our topic is very much topical, intra-regional air travel, a public good, or some may say an essential service. Ian Bertrand is the founding principal of Imperial Management Services, operating out of the Republic of Trinidad and Tobago. He is one of the earliest practitioners of operations research in the Caribbean. In his illustrious career, he has served as the CEO of BWIA and is a founding commissioner of the Securities Exchange Commission of Trinidad and Tobago. Ian has focused on developing mutually beneficial partnerships between airlines and the tourism industry in the Caribbean. He has completed several strategic studies, reports and plans for the CARICOM region, including a study of the critical issues affecting the regional air transport subsector, reports on regional aviation sustainability, access strategy plans for St. Martin, Anguilla and Dominica, and developed broad strategies for the St. Martin Master Tourism Plan. Ian assisted CARISEC in revising the CARICOM MASA 
a key tool in improving regional air connectivity. Ian has also led the team that completed the CARICOM air service policy and strategy, focusing on sustainable tourism and trade. Welcome, Ian, to Sion 180. We need your voice today, Ian, as a technocrat and someone who has studied, analyzed, assessed and reassessed the state of our regional air connectivity. And those of us, particularly in the Eastern Caribbean region, will complain that since the pandemic, uh, we have suffered considerably. And this is retarding the growth of region regionalism. What are your thoughts? We have suffered, but I think one needs to go back and look at it and decide what it is we really want for travel in the region, right? If one, every Caribbean country has a daily service to Miami, everyone. I guess Monstrat is the exception because of runway limitations. Yes. But even Anguilla now has. That tells me where our priorities are. Right? Now, having said that, we have to recognize that Liat was the main regional carrier, certainly in the Eastern Caribbean. But whereas each government supports its service to the wider world, be it Miami or Toronto or London, once upon a time, the regional countries all supported Liat. But gradually they dropped out and that left Antigua as the sole support for regional air service. Regional air service is not cheap. So that with, with the pandemic and the decline in revenues, but the fixed costs continuing where they are, it's no wonder that Liat uh, went into liquidation because Antigua really couldn't afford to support it. So, we we have to decide governments and government entities and the Caribbean public what we want. Right? The Caribbean public naturally wants what I call immediacy. I have to go between Grenada and St. Kitts and I want to go there tomorrow and fast. Yes. And I find I have to go to Miami and then come back down to St. Kitts. But the current reality is that that is the quickest way to get to St. Kitts from Grenada. That is correct. It's a vexing so, issue for a lot of us. It, It is a vexing issue. But it may have to be an issue that either we prepare to pay large sums for to resolve it within the Caribbean. Or we say that that is the, the only option. 
I don't know what is the demand for service between Grenada and St. Kitts. I suspect it's very low. So do we expect an airline to provide decent service, even whether it be a true or local hub or not, between the two points? And then who pays for it? All right. So there's a whole lot of education that needs to take place both uh, at the public, with the public, Caribbean public, right? And agree the kind of expectation that would be realistic, I guess, at different price parameters, as well as, let's say, with governments and government entities. Yes. I remember you saying, Ian, that there's no such thing as a free ride and that we have in the Caribbean a difficult choice to make. Um, those of us who live and work within the Caribbean region would say to you that it has become extraordinarily expensive and difficult to access between North and South. It's affecting our trade, our commerce, our entertainment, our education studies, our sports and regional integration as a whole. I and mean, to me, when West Indies was on top in cricket, for instance, you would not have had a Trini posse floating from island to island following the one days and the test matches if you didn't have that ease of air travel. And while we may blame the pandemic um, for the collapse of Liat, Liat was struggling for many, many years. Some may say, well, some 64 airlines internationally um, have collapsed and declared bankruptcy since the pandemic. What makes the Caribbean special? What do we tell our politicians or our tourism authorities in terms of how do we get you to refocus on intra-regional trade and tourism? So, uh, people tend to respond to what they perceive to be in their best interest. The tourism bodies, quite correctly, I could understand it, are focused on the international because it's US dollars or Canadian dollars or pounds that are coming in, et cetera, et cetera. Right. right? Uh, it's true, a fair amount of it leaks back out. But one doesn't hear too much about that. Yes. Uh, in terms of regional traffic, right? The demand between certain countries is relatively large and could support private sector uh, connections with minimal or no subsidy. But there are other uh, connections where the, the user jargon origin stroke demand uh, figures are low, very low, right? So, there are a number of options, I, I think. One is, let's, uh, let's look at the role of tourism, the tourism bodies, right? What, okay, first of all, I have to recognize that the tourist authorities are given greater recognition in the last year or two the regional tourism that they have in the past, right? Which is a, a sea change from what used to happen. Correct. So I, I applaud that. But what I am not too sure is 
The region is some 20 other countries or something. You can't focus on all of them. So just as how you, you plan uh, in detail which states in, in North America you want to focus on. Which countries, does, what country does Grenada want to focus on in the next year for regional traffic? And once there's a central collecting point, and that could be CTO stroke CARICOM, right? One gets a sense as to where the demand is, uh, is expected. And then most likely you, uh, one could approach the airlines to see how best with support, as support is given to international service, how best that support, uh, how best they could provide service in, in that manner, right? So let's say the tourism boards, uh, now they will have to sort of look in terms of the different forms of tourism, including intra uh, multi-destination tourism and so forth to determine those things. And that gives you a start, all right? At least you know, you could provide a decent service for half of the countries all right okay that starts discriminating uh with respect to the other half but you know life you is not start ideal. somewhere right <laughs> right you gotta start somewhere but uh the other point is we have tended to look to regional airlines to solve the regional problems and uh, I think it's time we go beyond that, right? For instance, uh, because of ancient bilateral agreements, US, UK carriers, and in fact, some US carriers, but they choose not to use it, UK carriers could fly between the countries in the Caribbean, right? They too recognize it's not economical to do so, so they don't do it. However, because uh, they need to service say, two countries from the metropole on one flight, because the flight, there's not enough demand for that flight to just go to one point in the Caribbean. St. Lucia, uh, Trinidad, out by British, and St. Lucia, Grenada, uh, again, by British. They have then the right to pick up passengers between St. Lucia and Grenada and St. Lucia and Trinidad. And to me, there's absolutely nothing wrong with encouraging that uplift. In fact, if the governments or the government entities are supporting those flights, then the more revenue that could be produced by those flights the less would be the, the less would be the support, right? So that to me is a sort of a case of a win-win situation. Yeah. But what has to start thinking outside of the box of regional airlines only, right? Because we hardly have any, really. I mean, how many regional airlines do we have right now operating? Well. Okay, right now uh, you have essentially Cal within CARICOM. Right. Right. But you have Inter Caribbean, which is 
based in Turks and Caicos. But because Turks and Caicos is a British colony, it enjoys all the ancient root rights that the UK had within the Caribbean. And therefore could fly to a whole number, could fly between islands in the Eastern Caribbean. Right. So that there's, and I say if one starts looking uh, a wider perspective of what regional really means, we were more likely to be able to solve the problems. Uh, let's get back to famous in kits. The easiest way within the region to get us in kits is, is probably from St. Martin. Right? Now, St. Martin is fairly popular. And really, the real question is, uh, and St. carriers from St. Martin fly regularly to St. Kitts. Allow those carriers to also fly, right? Allow the, the carriers in the French territory. They already do a lot of flying to Dominica and, and Martinique and so forth. Let them be able to extend their service as they see fit. And one will find that gradually uh, we, we, we leave in, uh, we closing up all the spaces. Miami does have a role. The fastest for the longest, for the longest while that I foreseeable future. The fastest way to get from Grenada to Belize will have to be through Miami. Right? Yes. Because nobody in the region has shown any interest in flying to Belize. Similar thing to Bahamas, right? So Miami does have a role to play and a very important role to play in terms of linking the Caribbean. I think we need, we need to recognize that. So Ian, with all this abundance of empirical studies, reports and, and strategic plans um, that have been presented to CARICOM, Eastern Caribbean states, other groupings, why haven't we seen more progress on recommendations um, that have been proposed uh, for action? Why are we still in this talking phase? It, 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 it appears to us in the Caribbean that as long as our politicians can move around to their various meetings and the top exec bigwigs can hire or charter their private planes, the rest of us remain here suffering. Um, surely the data that you presented with your teams um, will suggest that there is revenue earning opportunities if we approach this in the correct way. Why are we still speaking about this in 2023? The answer to that question. <laughs> <laughs> it's a vexing question that a lot of us it want to answer because for instance, when we talk about the Star St. Kitts, we are presuming that those of us who need to get to St. Kitts via Miami actually have a U.S. visa. If we don't have that U.S. visa, we can't get to St. Kitts or Antigua if that's what we need to take. Right. No, so correct. what are we I mean, doing I... wrong? What are we not doing, Ian? What do we need to do? All right. Uh, I don't know how really serious we are about regional traveling. Good. Right. That's mm -hmm. a fair comment. The revised master multilateral air services agreement that allows all regional and all regional airlines to fly between any two points 
right? So that uh, Caribbean Airlines could fly between St. Kitts and Antigua. And don't, and apart from the, you know, the sort of standard filings and so forth, it doesn't have to enter into a particular agreement with any of those countries. And it was supposed to free up the whole facilitation process. I think it took about two years before heads of government signed off on, on the MASA. Alright. We we also I don't think have done enough research on regional tourism. Once upon a time, and it, it is getting to once upon a time now, the CTO uh, did a quarterly study on regional tourism and compared it to international tourism, the returns, right. and found that the regional tourist was in fact uh, had a deeper footprint on the economy than the international uh, visitor. There you go. Right? There you go. Be so, but... I don't know how many people sort of this study seriously, right? But to me, that's... I had looked at, at the work that had been done and I could find no fault with the with the methodology or anything of the sort. And you know, it, it kind of it kind of made sense if you look at the net figure. All right, because as I say, there's a certain degree of leakage back into the metropole, especially from international tourism that does not exist with regional tourism. And so the net return turned out to be uh, higher with regional tourism. I don't know if anybody has done that in recent times, yes. but I think it's something that's worth doing if only to convince, say, the regional tourism bodies that, hey, this is maybe something worth looking, looking at in a more serious way. Yes, because the other talks. one is, <laughs> right. The other one is in terms of uh, pricing, all right? We know that the that the government's uh, share of the ticket price that you pay is enormous, all right? Strangling. It could be as high as 50% in some cases. Yes. One could argue, I need the money, you guys need the facilities that they Etc. Etc. Blah 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 blah, and therefore we we need to do this thing. Make a lot of sense in one sense. However, some of us I looked at the Eastern Caribbean uh, in 2015, 16, and looked at demand at different price points. Okay. Now, this was done, yeah, basically a, a regional survey by sort of asking people, okay, what, what country you want to visit, uh, what, basically at what price point? So one was able to get an idea as to the increase in demand. And applying that increase in demand to the various taxation points, let's put it that way, or otherwise, 
hotel tax, whatever tax, blah, 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 blah. Instead of looking narrowly at the, at the aviation tax, he looked at the broad uh, tax collection ability of the government. We found that, in fact, uh, there was more money coming into the treasury because of the increased demand. All right. Now, unfortunately, I, this is my own conclusion. We have some very risk adverse finance uh, ministers. <laughs> a bird in the hand is worth 10 in the bush. <laughs> Putting it <Okay>. diplomatically, yes. <laughs> but there's also another problem uh, which I understand but don't accept. In fact, all the money is now going into a central point. You now have to reallocate that money to the airport authorities, etc., etc. Right? So, and we know from past experience when um, these entities have to depend on the treasury, what happens? All right. So there's a whole new mindset <laughs> that has to come into play for this thing to work. Yes. So we back into the public service culture and all of, all of that means, right? So it's, the issue is a mind-changing one, right? And I don't think we have ever approached it from that point of view, right? 90% of my, rec of my recommendations meetings have been with the tourism entities. I have never been asked, despite requesting, to meet with the finance people. Right? Mm -hmm. To get into that kind of detailed discussion to and fro and understand where they're really coming from and see to what extent the solutions could be provided. Yeah, because it seems to me, listening to you, that what you need is a marriage between the public and private sector, but that there is a stakeholder who is critical to this process in terms of reaching the ears of the political powers, and that is the regional tourism authorities. Each island has a, a tourism body or a tourism authority of some kind. Um, they need to be clamoring at the top of the staircase to effect these changes, but even within themselves, it seems to me, Ian, what you're saying is that the perspective of intra-regional tourism needs to shift substantially still because we are not accepting that there are tremendous revenue opportunities just from intra-regional air travel. And, and it starts with who we perceive to be the best tourists for the Caribbean region. It, it brings me back to comments made by by the the premier of nevis mark brantley who said uh in, in in a discussion that we're still thinking that the tourist is a caucasian with a straw hat and flip-flops and we're not seeing our caribbean people um as being effective tourists with disposable income to spend in an economy because when we go to visit these islands whether it is for saint lucia jazz saint kitts music festival Trinidad Carnival, whatever it is, we are in the community spending money right through. Exactly. And that must have some tangible consequence on the economy. 
So I still say to you, what are we not doing and where do we get this private public sector partnership uh, injection? Um, I remember sometime you had said, you know, Caribbean people, especially in the Eastern Caribbean, they like to fly on the big plates. Maybe we need to look at smaller planes. Um, that might be more sustainable. Does that still operate as a, as a fair assessment? It is. And in fact, this is one of the things that Master was open to encourage. The marriage in the private sector between those entities that have the larger planes like the ATRs and so forth, and the ones who fly the smaller planes. And basically, the ones who fly the smaller planes still exist and they, they've survived through pandemic and everything. So they're making money. Right. 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 Now they've calmed out their own markets largely in terms of their charters and so forth. But the fact is that they're there and they, they, they're making money. Right. But, you know, that, that will come with time. Let's put it that way. All right. Uh, but there's also need to build a whole set of trust between the larger carriers and the smaller carriers and so on and so forth. Uh, one example that is a real one is what is going to be the relationship between the two airlines when it comes to liability for passengers. Right? Is a passenger who is injured uh, on a smaller aircraft, is the, is the larger airline going to be sued? And it can be if, it, if, the, if the structure is not properly developed, the legal structure. And, you know, so they're, they're a little shy of each other. And again, this is where the civil aviation authorities in the, in the Caribbean need to get together, right? and agree on one set of rules that would apply to all the countries. But that requires each country shedding some degree of sovereignty. And my conclusion is the smaller the, the country, the more they hold on to the sovereignty. Every man right. is an island unto himself. <laughs> so there are there are those issues, there are those issues with respect to security at the airports. Uh, do the security people in one country trust the security people at another country? And if the answer is no, which is what it is in the Caribbean, then you got to go through that whole mess every time you you multi-stop in. Right? Yeah. So, ease of doing business, uh, facilitation, are some of those things that need to get cracking, which will allow the private sector to play a more meaningful role, right? And go from there. Well, perhaps if we gave them incentives uh, to become involved, um, it might assist because we certainly give the international airlines that fly well, into do. the region. Many of our island governments, revenue sharing arrangements, revenue guarantee subsidies, you know, why, why can't we do it for our own? Well, we can, we should. I know that there have been one or two instances where it has started in the, in the Caribbean. And this is primarily by governments that don't have the airport facilities for international service and are dependent on regional 
visitors uh, for their tourism. It has started, it should grow more rapidly. But again, uh, and I think it should be revenue guarantee rather than revenue shit rather than in a pure subsidy. Yes. Because then there's an incentive for everybody. Uh, but again, I think we need to pause the Caribbean, right? Because not every city pair would need uh, support, right? Yeah. And we know, I mean, you look and see who is flying where at this point in time. And you know that those are the city pairs that don't need support, right? right. Now, again, maybe individual countries should now uh, take a look at that and say, hey, I want to have a service between my country and Point X. And invite bids. Right? Yeah. And enter into negotiations with the, the 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 winning bid or the preferred bidder and negotiate something that uh has both a service quality element and a and a pricing element. Yeah. Yeah, I listen But this to, is a it, it it sounds like a very it's like a, a pessimistic tone when I think of the number of areas that you are dissecting that needs action. I mean, it's operational, it's logistics, it's the legal infrastructure, it's the aviation authorities, um, it's it's the revenue uh, areas, what to give up, how much to give up, you know. Uh, all of these things say to me, no wonder we had a prime minister recently in the Eastern Caribbean say, I'm just going to lease two planes. Uh, it's born out of frustration with the process. And so my question... At least all the cost. Uh, Exactly. Until you saw the cost. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the other side of the coin. That's the other side of the coin. So so my final question to you then is, what advice do we give these CARICOM prime ministers and CARICOM heads? Uh, are we doomed? Is this, this turbulence going to prevent us from putting planes in the air and for us to be able to traverse our airspace and go watch our cricket and play mass in, in Trinidad? I mean, what what do we do? What do we tell our CARICOM prime ministers? What are you? What will convince you that you should spend the required resources to promote regional carrier or regional airline? Not regional airlines. Forget that. Regional aviation. Yes. Right. What would you really be seeking? And then try to structure it such that you could achieve those objectives. So then they now have a real incentive. But we're talking about this broad thing, amorphous thing, regional air travel, right? And it means different things to different people. It does. It does. And also, I think it's some hard-nosed discussions. Do you think it is an essential service? It is a necessary service. All right. Essential to me has a connotation that it should be provided regardless of the cost. Right. 
and we really can't afford it, right? But we can afford if if it is in fact shared by the region. Uh, recognizing that in fact some aspects that may seem to want to dilute revenue would in fact increase overall revenue, as I mentioned with the pricing. That we could we could get uh, we could find a happy medium, which will make it successful. Finally, finally, time is running out, Ian. Time is running out. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> thank you, and time has run out on us. Um, Thirty minutes does fly by. I want to thank you so much, Ian, for your helpful uh, insight into the challenges of intra-regional air travel and for your perspectives and recommendations as to how we may tackle this challenge. Thank you so much for spending time with us this Sunday morning and enjoy your carnival. Hello, my pleasure. Thank you again, Ian. Today's topic was necessary and timely. Strategic interventions and expert voices like yours are needed if we are going to resolve this issue and leave a travel legacy for the next generation of Caribbean citizens. It is a public good and a public right and a public service, and we all have a role to play in making it work for the people and the economies of our Caribbean region. Ian, thank you. It was an absolute pleasure to hear from you on this critical topic. Thank you for being with us on the podcast Sion 180. This is season four, and we continue to learn from our community of professionals who have graced our platform. Don't forget to hit us up on our social media platforms. We do love hearing from all of you. Tune in again next Sunday for another episode or check us out anytime on YouTube and on Sion180.com for all current and past episodes. This is Sion 180. Be safe, everybody.